0: Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his work. It is so good to be here. Thank you so much. And yes, I have received an incredibly warm welcome from the second I walked in the door until now. And thank you for that, church. Sometimes I'm able to slip in and no one finds out who I am the whole time I'm there. And I'm glad that that did not happen today. Thank you. All right. I think I am plugged in. There we go. And let me just go back and share, first of all, just a little bit more about that offering. As was shared, for 15 years I was privileged, at least this time, I was privileged to serve as a missionary to the Philippines. Um, And it was during, and it was your tithe, we talked about the tithe that comes in, it's actually the tithe that funds the missionaries who serve around the world. And so I was able to serve because of your faithfulness in returning to God what was his. No other church does that. No other church is able to have a worldwide program because of the way the funds are distributed worldwide, the way the Seventh-day Adventist church is able to do that. So thank you very much on behalf of your world church for giving me the chance to serve in the Philippines, and it was during that time that I met uh, and worked with uh, my uh, associate and colleague, um, uh, Dr. Gay Tanamo, uh, who, as I was leaving the Philippines, I was being asked, who do you know that can be a treasure here? And I said, ah, I know the perfect person. And indeed, uh, when I talked to Uh, to Gay and to her husband, uh, June, I was afraid they might say no. But they didn't. They said yes, and it took a while to get their visas processed and everything, but we're just so happy that uh, they are here now. And actually, what I'm going to talk about in a few minutes relates very much to that, and it's going to be, how do you know when God has called you to do something, anything, how do you seek God's will in your life? Before that, I want to share just a little bit with you about what God is doing here in Pennsylvania, and I'm going to go quickly for this. By the way, uh, I will be done by noon, is that right? Somewhere in the world, anyway. Um, It will be noon when I finish somewhere. But this is a little bit of exciting news that uh, our, our president, Pastor Gary Gibbs, has asked us to share with you. We want you to be aware that last year, in 2022, 518 new precious souls joined and committed themselves in a forever commitment. In a forever friendship, in the Seventh Day Adventist Church, in 2022, we currently have a total of 13,473 members uh, in our church. 180, uh, 48 points of influence, most of all, most of whom are gathering together today, this morning, almost morning. Uh, as, as shown through 116 churches, five companies. What's a company? A company is a church that's not quite organized yet into a full church. And then a group might be a smaller setting still, a Sabbath school or a separate group that is meeting. We have 16 of those plus nine elementary schools. One I'm very glad to know is right here. I hope that I'll be able to see it before I leave Bucks County today. And one academy, Blue Mountain Academy. And thank you so much for your support of the schools, especially the elementary school and Blue Mountain Academy. Last year, well, for two years ago, uh, the tithe in this conference during COVID was 14.7 million. Now, if you had asked me, I would have thought, in fact, I did think when asked, while living in the Philippines, what will happen during COVID when we close all the churches? tithe will go down for sure. Worldwide, it did not. Here in Pennsylvania, it did not. Tithe actually went up during COVID because God was blessing you and you were blessing, providing a blessing to the church at the same time. And tithe went up again this past year for the first time ever, exceeding $15 million, almost $15.5 million, uh, tithe went up. We are very excited about the schools uh, here. I, hopefully today, will see my sixth school. Uh, In the two and a half months I've been here, I've tried especially to get to the schools, and I'm excited about seeing the school here in Huntington Valley. We um, have what I call a 180-day evangelistic series taking place in each of nine schools across this conference, after all, 180 opportunities, 180 days, our teachers stand before our students telling them about Jesus. What an opportunity, and there's no better evangelistic uh, series than just that, and many of which have led to student baptisms this year. All of these are students who go to one of our schools who have been baptized this past year. Just a couple of weeks ago at Blue Mountain Academy, a wonderful, incredible revival took place. I wish I had time to tell you all about it, but I want you to know that God is really on the move at Blue Mountain Academy. Until our treasure have come, has come, I've been going over there every Tuesday and Thursday to try to my best to fill in. And so every twice a week, I've been involved with what's going on with the students, with the activities of the campus there, and things are really exciting. If you have nothing going on, I urge you to come visit Blue Mountain Academy in a few weeks Is Academy Days. And if you know a student that needs to be at Academy Days, please make sure they find a way to get there. Please take it on yourself to help them get there. If you know of someone who might be interested in going to Blue Mountain Academy, our is here today. Visit with her and talk to her about the possibility of being able to attend Blue Mountain Academy next year. And by the way, related to that, I've heard people say, but I can't make it because of finances, because Blue Mountain does cost some money. I've never seen them turn away students who really, really, really wanted to be there. Trust in God. He will work it out. It may not be easy, but he will work out the finances for those who really want to be there. Trust in him. He will find a way for every student that wants to be there to be there. Have you heard about the Mission Evangelism Center? Did you know the conference had a mission and evangelism center? It's actually the conference office. Instead of just having a group of offices, uh, one of the key factors or key things we did is we put in a special mission and evangelism center. Already it's hosted all of our pastors for training, our teachers, lay pastors, church leaders, discipleship, been very involved in um, active programs, which I'm going to show you in just a second. Tomorrow we will have 95 people there tomorrow morning on Sunday um, for church treasurers training. And so very, very active, in, and it's not even been in session, it's not even been open for a year yet, uh, almost coming up on its anniversary of its opening. I'm sure you've heard of the program to impact one, um, te- seeking, teaching, and winning. I see in your bulletin that you are involved with winsome witness, witnessing, yes? How many of you went through the eight classes? Anybody? I say, okay, thank you. I was scared for a minute because I saw it in your bulletin. I'm glad to see that you did go through it. Pastor Gary Gibbs, uh, uh, of course, led out in that. None of our pastors were involved. It led to group studies on what we can do when we get nervous. But we want to tell people about Jesus. And I hope that you've learned from that. I'm glad to see that if you didn't take it, according to your bulletin, there's still opportunities. So please uh, follow up on that. And then camp meeting this summer uh, will be June 9th through 17th at Blue Mountain Academy. Uh, Pavel Goya, who is our ministerial director for the General Conference, an excellent speaker. Uh, uh, he is from Romania. He has some incredible stories to share, and he'll be doing that the first half of camp meeting. And the second half will be caveman. So you might know him as Doug Bachelor. Um, Doug Batchelor will be with us in Camp Meeting. I know that it's going to be very crowded when each of those speakers are there. Uh, I urge you to get reservations in early. If you have one of those camera phones, I think you can point it right at the screen and you can go directly to the website even now, but if not, simply go to the Pennsylvania Conference uh, uh, website and there you will find how to register so that you can be part of Camp Meeting. I see some people doing it, so I'll hold it for another second and here we go. Pray with me. Father in heaven, this morning as we gather here together, it is our biggest desire to be able to hear your voice in our lives. We want to know what you would have us to do. We want to be able to follow you, but how do we do that? Today we'll talk about just that. Please be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. I shared with you the most recently, I was in the Philippines as a missionary, but my first mission experience actually was in the 1980s when I served as a student missionary to the Marshall Islands. How many of you have heard of the Marshall Islands? Oh, some people in the very back have. thank you. I went first to the island of Majuro, and Majuro is a very long and very skinny island. It has the longest paved road in all of Micronesia. It has, it's 30 miles long, which isn't all that long, but the, the um, capital part of the island is uh, on one side and the, one of our schools is in the middle and then one of our schools is on the far end. Today I wanna share with you a story that took place uh, my third year there. I was only supposed to be a student missionary for one year. But somehow, after I was there, the Lord led and convinced me to stay a second year and then a third year. I was two weeks into my third year as, um, as a teacher. In fact, I was teaching on the far end uh, we have two schools. The first, the big one, the large one is called the Dallop School. And then the small one is called the Laura School. And it's on the end of the island. Um, it, let's see, I think I have a little pointer there. You probably can't see it too well, but that's Laura right there. These are the islands, by the way. This part's not an island. This part is the coral reef. So we have this island, then a little skinny part of the island, then a coral reef, then this part of the island. Very, very tiny little islands there. Um, but Laura is here and it's a small country school on the far end of the island and one day my third week into teaching there actually since I had already been there two years I was 19 years old and I was the principal I had as I said been there for two years there were two other teachers working with me and I made my first bad decision as principal three weeks into the class, and I will share it with you. We had heard that there was a cruise ship coming to visit the Marshall Islands. This never happens. Actually, it happens like once every seven years, and this one was coming from Norway, this huge, something like 18-story cruise ship. How many of you have been on a cruise ship before? Okay, it didn't take those hands long to go up. It's pretty amazing, and even for those of us who live here, um, we're pretty astounded, pretty amazed when we get on it. When we heard this cruise ship was coming, somebody had told me that the last time it was there, they let all the children from all the schools go visit and go on and tour the boat. And so very early in the morning, I got our entire school up and ready. We saw it come in the day before. We got together, the teachers and some of the the workers. We got enough vehicles together to get all 67 of our kids from the Laura end to the Dallop end of the island, which is about an hour drive to go 25 miles. And when we got there, we noticed we came to the boat dock and we could see this big giant ship there, right there in the harbor, larger than any boat we had ever seen there. But there was a problem. We could see all the tourists getting off the boat. In fact, they could get off and come and go freely as they chose. And we also saw other schools lining up along the, the outside areas of the pier But the police that were in the front were not letting anybody on. And when we tried to get on, the first question they asked me is, where is your pass to get on the boat? Oh, we don't have one. I'm sorry if you don't have one. We can't let you on. Well, how do we get one? Only the captain gives out the passes. "Hmm. What to do? We noticed nobody else was getting on. None of the schools were getting on. Finally, I knew what to do. My other two teachers had just come to the Marshall Islands three weeks earlier. Since I had already been there for two years, they knew me. And I was fairly well known uh, throughout the community. I've been there. People knew that I worked for the Seventh-day Adventist school. So this wasn't going to work for us, but we had to figure out a way to get to the captain. And so my teachers looked like tourists. They had brought hats, and they had brought, they still were wearing flowery clothes, and they had cameras. We didn't have cell phones back then, but they had big cameras around their necks, and you could tell they were tourists, and so what I told them to do is just walk straight up towards the boat, walk up to the gangplank, walk on board just like you're a passenger and like you belong there. We all stayed behind. And sure enough, these two young ladies pulled it off, they walked to the gangplank, they walked up the gangplank, up to the cabin, or to the deck of the boat, and they asked for the first mate, or they asked for the captain. The captain wasn't there, so the first mate came to help them. And the lady who was the first mate there from Norway said, I would love for your kids to come on board. I don't understand because we've been looking out, and we see all these children, but none of them's coming on board. How How come? And the girls explained, or my teachers explained to them, said, well, they can't come on board because they don't have any passes. Would you give us passes? Sure, we would give you passes. And so they wrote out the passes directly from the first mate of the ship, and the ladies came down, and they gave them to us, and sure enough, all of us got to tour this great big ship. We walked up to where the police guards were, and they said, you can't come on board. You don't have passes. Oh, yes, we do. (laughs) And so we went on board, and all the other schools were looking because none of them had teachers who could go on board and get the passes like we did. It was fun. The kids had never seen an elevator before. They got on the elevator and went up and down and up and down. Escalators, the same thing. Had never seen escalators before. The boat was full of gold. I mean, you came in and there were these great big gold and porcelain um, mementos as you came in and statues. And then, of course, they had like five swimming pools on board. The kids loved those even though they couldn't go swimming. We had a great time. But I want to share with you is what happened not during that time or during the time we got off the boat when everybody was staring at us like, like we had just committed the worst crime in the world. But what I wanna actually share with you is what happened afterwards. After we had had all the fun, we had a great time, I sent the teachers back home with the vehicles and with the, sh- the chaperones, and I needed to go downtown a little further to do some shopping, it was Friday, and I had to get ready for the Sabbath. So I went to the only grocery store on the island called Robert Reamer's store, and went in to do my shopping, got a little shopping cart, and began shopping, when all of a sudden I heard a voice. Kevin, I turned around. I knew whose voice that was. It was my boss, Pastor Sid Nelson. Now, if I could tell you anything about Pastor Nelson, he was a guy that always wore an ear-to-ear smile. Always so happy, but not this day. This day he had a frown. He said, Kevin, can you come talk to us in the back of the supermarket? Oh my, what had I done? Whatever it was, I was in trouble. I could tell just by listening to him, I was in trouble. But then not only was he there, but two of the Marshallese pastors were with him. So the three of us made our way to the back, and I'm pushing my little cart down the aisle thinking, oh, no, I've ruined our reputation of Adventist here on the island, and they're going to send me home for sure. And this is awful because none of the other schools went on board, and I used my teachers, and I was kind of deceptive the way I did it, and oh, no, I'm in so much trouble. And we got to the very back aisle of the supermarket, of Robert Reimer's supermarket. And as we began to talk, he said, Kevin, I have a question for you. And I said, oh, I'm really sorry. And he said, sorry for what? I said, oh, all the... He says, really, you did all that? I didn't know anything about it. You mean you're not here to talk to me about it? He says, Kevin, I have something else I want to talk to you about. He said, we sent two teachers two weeks ago to a little tiny outer island school called Namu-Namu. Can you say it for me? What is it? Namu-Namu. He said, we sent these two teachers out to Namu-Namu. They were a husband and wife. They had never been there before, and they were there for one week. And they decided they couldn't take it because this was way, way, way out in the middle of the ocean, a little island school, 300 people lived on the island. We had 17 students, and there were these two teachers, and they decided to go home after a week. He said, but we started school already, and we have to have somebody there. And he said, i called the mission, we've talked to the mission, and they are asking, they said, Kevin, you have learned the language you can speak Marshallese, it's true. Does anybody want to talk Marshallese with me? I can have a conversation. (laughs) Not many people know it, but I do speak fluent Marshallese and I can preach this sermon in Marshallese if you really would like me to. That's all right, I heard that. Somebody didn't believe and they're trying to call me. And so, there I was standing with him and he said, Kevin, the mission is asking you to go to Namu Namu and start the school because we can't get it. It just was there for a week. We want you to go start the school there in Namu Namu and then we'll hopefully send somebody after a little while to join you because we don't send our missionaries out one by one. We send them out two by two. And he said, but Kevin, don't answer me yet. Before you do, let's kneel down and pray about it. And my question for you is this. How many of you have ever had a reason to kneel down, I don't know, in the back of Redner's supermarket and have prayer? There we were, right in the back. Actually, it was in the meat section because that's what was in the back. And there we were, right in the back of Red—well, of, of Reamer's supermarket. The three of us knelt down for prayer. Now, I want to tell you Pastor Sid Nelson knew how to pray as good as any pastor because we knelt down for prayer and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. I have no idea what he was praying about because all my mind could do was doing flip-flops because what he said was is they want me to go to this outer island to be the teacher there for a one-room school for 17 kids but I had already was here. And all I could think of is, he said go, and I said no. He said go, but I was already here. I had come uh, two years earlier. I had come to the Marshall Islands. God had given me my call. Things were just going well now. For the first time, I had gotten Pathfinders going. My first night in Pathfinders, the Lord blessed with 182 kids. We quickly had to recruit 40 people to be part of the staff. Amazing. They were coming from everywhere. And it was a club that he helped me to start. And we were just getting it going strong. And to leave now? And I was doing Bible studies. I was very involved with Bible studies. The king's son was in my Bible study group, and we were doing it at the house of the king. Wow. Wow. To leave now? And I had just been asked to be the principal of this school, and I'd been there all of three weeks. To leave now? Lord, you sent me here, and here I am, but this is where you called me. Finally, Pastor Nelson ended his prayer, and we stood up together. And he said, Kevin, I don't want to rush you. He said, Here's our challenge. There is another boat in the other harbor, because there actually are two. There's another boat at the other pier, and it is packing up to go to the island of Namu this Sunday. Remember it was Friday? It's this Sunday. And if we don't have our missionaries on the boat this Sunday, there will not be another opportunity till Christmas. This was three weeks in the school. He said, so I'm not trying to pressure you, but we kind of need to know now. And I looked at him, and he says, do you have any idea of whether you'd be willing to go? And all I could think of is, I don't want to go. I want to stay here. But what I actually said was this, because something happened during that prayer. There was something that took place while I was on my knees and Pastor Sid was praying, and I wasn't really listening, but something happened in the middle of that prayer. I can't explain it to you. I can't really describe it except to say that I've never had it happen before and I've never had it happen since, but I clearly heard the voice of God telling me who will go for me? Who shall I send? And I answered and said, here I am, Lord, send me. But I didn't want to go! (laughs) But when I stood up, Pastor Nelson asked, do you have an idea? And I looked at him, and I quoted that text from beginning to end. And I said, here I am, send me. And Pastor Nelson was only like five foot six, a small guy. And he wasn't smiling until I said that. And all of a sudden, the ear-to-ear smile returned, and immediately his arms got thrown around me, and he picked me up off the ground and shook me right there in the store. And when he finally put it down, he says, Kevin, we don't have a moment to lose. And I said, what do you mean? And he tells me, the boat's leaving. We've all come here to do your grocery shopping for you. I said, well, what do you mean? He says, there's no way to get groceries to Nama. We've got to buy your groceries for the year right now. Can you imagine? And he said, wait just a second. And the two pastors that were with him and him all went out and got their wives who were sitting in the vans in the parking lot. And the three ladies and the three pastors came in and each of them got a shopping cart. And we began walking down the aisles to see what kind of food I like. When we were done, it came to $960. He says, I said, I don't have the money. How am I going to pay for that? He says, don't worry. I have your entire year's salary right here. (laughs) And after tithe, it was $1,000 still left over to pay for those groceries. So I still had about $40 for the rest of my year to head out to NAMU. That weekend we packed up the stuff, and that following Sunday I was on the boat on the way to Namu Namu. How do you know when God calls you? Does God, how does God speak to us anyway? That is the only time in my whole life that's happened. But I know that God was speaking to me, but that doesn't usually happen. If only we could always hear his voice like on Sinai talking directly, speaking directly, we would obey, right? Children of Israel weren't always so good at that, even though they heard the voice of God. We talked about that sort of in our lesson today, didn't we? Or maybe if I could get a phone call from heaven. Maybe you heard the old song, the old Christian song, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Just call him up and call him up and tell him what you want. If only I could get a direct line in and just know for sure that God was speaking. Or maybe today we could get a text. This is God. You will go here. Would we listen? Or even in the old days, writing on the wall, like happened in Babylon. Or through a donkey. Anything that would help to be simple, clear, and direct, that help us to know with certainty that this is the will of God. Isn't that something you would want? God doesn't necessarily use these methods. In fact, in many times, he spoke in different areas, different ways. In biblical times, these are some of the ways God spoke through phenomenon. Imagine if you were standing after 120 years of watching Noah build this boat and you're standing there and Noah is standing on this little platform and he is saying, please come into the ark. Would you need a sign? Yeah, I might need a sign. But what would you think if while Noah's standing there preaching, all of a sudden from the back you hear everybody moving out of the way because two lions are leading their way up to the ark door. But then something you've never seen before, following the two lions are seven sheep, and the sheep are chasing the lions up the door. That would be strange. And then behind that are a couple of raccoons. And then a few giraffes. Two giraffes are following. And then seven cows are going after them. And then two of every animal you've ever seen in your life come from all over and make their way down through the gangplank and go up, going up the boat, going up into the ark. What would you think? Would you need a sign? Wouldn't that be enough to say, God is obviously in this? And of all the thousands and thousands of people that were there at the time, how many got on board? Eight. And seven of them were not positive they really wanted to be there either. Eight people got on board the ark. Or how about in Moses' day? You remember the story of Moses and he brought all the children of Israel again whining and kicking and screaming and complaining? He brought them to the edge of the Red Sea and they were stuck because the soldiers were all around behind them. But as they came to the Red Sea they began to whine, oh you brought us all the way here and you're just gonna let them kill us now. We would have been better off in Egypt. And there Moses stood and he took the power of God that was given to him through the staff and he raised it above the Red Sea and the impossible happened. The waters parted. Can you imagine this wall of water? Can you imagine there was a fish that was swimming all the way up to the wall and suddenly tried to get through and couldn't? It was stuck there. And as the, God's people went through this wall of water on each side of them, as they went through on the dry ground that nobody had ever seen before, mating all the way through. Still the people complained when they saw the soldiers were coming the same direction. Even though God had just worked the miracle, still they were complaining. We don't ever do that, do we? We tend to do that too much. But God used divine signs to express his will in their lives. Well, let's go back a little bit before that. Something known as theophani. God using Uh, A visible display that expresses his presence and the character of God. Moses earlier saw this bush burning, this bush that would not stop burning. Now, Moses didn't really want to follow his calling, did he? He came there and God said, I want you to go down and talk to Egypt, talk to the Pharaoh of Egypt and tell him, let my people go. And Moses said, Sure, Lord, okay, no problem. No, not exactly. He said, no way. He said, uh, but, 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 but I can't, can, can't speak, Lord. Okay, I'll send Aaron. But, 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 but they'll never believe me. Besides, my picture is on a wanted poster in the post office of Pharaoh for that guy that 40 years ago I killed. But God used the never-ending burning bush because it was never consumed. It just kept burning and burning and it did not burn up. But God used that as a sign of his presence as he told Moses what to do. Sorry about this. I've got to turn it off. 1 Samuel, the story that, thank you for the couple, that, uh, the family that read this samuel was i want to know god's will eli wanted to know god's will and three times samuel thought he heard eli calling him and three times he went in and and eli said i didn't call you samuel go to bed but it didn't stop he went in the third time eli said i know who's calling you it must be god how many of you wake up in the middle of the night at times i do Last night was up around uh, 3 o'clock, I guess. I would suggest that is a time when you wake up in the middle of the night when you can't get back to sleep. Say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. Good time to say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. And then listen. See what God says after that. Maybe not much or maybe an awful lot. Speak, Lord, your servant hears. Sometimes God uses suffering. He does. Sometimes God uses suffering to reveal to us his will. And in this case, the story of Jonah, Jonah did not want to go. Jonah was called to go to Nineveh. He did not want to go to Nineveh. Jonah was asked to be the evangelist to the city of Nineveh and tell people that the city was going to be destroyed if they did not listen. Jonah said no. And we know what happened as a result. And then, through providence, Ruth found her husband by listening to the will of God, by going out and collecting the grain. Uh, her husband, her husband to be, took notice. And then, of course, in the New Testament, we see the story um, of the eunuch who came and said, I believe in Jesus because of an inner urge and was baptized. If you hear God's voice, would you be ready to listen? Let's talk just for a minute about God's voice, how to hear it. God's voice is something we all long for, but you know it's not all that hard to hear. God wants you to hear his voice. He doesn't want to make it a secret. He doesn't speak through us to a quiver in our liver or vibes or through mediums. There's very specific ways he talks to you because he wants you to know his will in your life. You can hear him every day, not just on special occasions or by chanting special things. To hear the voice of God is natural as hearing your best friend talk to you. Yes? Oh, it got quiet all of a sudden. To hear God's voice, if we really have a relationship with him, it's like hearing uh, our best friend talking to us. He speaks to us in natural moments of life. Do you want to hear his voice? If you want to hear his voice, you must be ready for what he shares. Sometimes we say in church, yeah, I I want to hear God's voice. I want to hear him talk to me, but we don't really want to hear it. Because we know it might mean more trouble than we are prepared for, and life is good right now. We don't really want to hear. God might be telling us to get up and go be a missionary in Maduro or Namu Namu because life is good now. If you want to hear God's voice, you must be ready to listen. So, Kevin, you said it only happened to you one time how do we hear his voice now? We might not actually hear it audibly, but he speaks to us in so many ways, and it all starts, much of it starts, through his word and through prayer. This starts in the mornings. Some may have other times, but for the most part, if you order your day, if I order my day with Jesus at the beginning, talking to Jesus like a friend, reading his word finding out what God has planted here for you in his word the Bible but there are other ways if your thoughts are attuned he will speak to you throughout the day and again in the night God speaks with our conversations with others with trusted best friends if you want to know is God really talking to me about this is it really God or maybe it's someone else Talk to a trusted friend that has a relationship with God already. Maybe a pastor or an elder or a church leader or maybe your best friend that speaks to God that you know has a relationship with him. God also speaks to the circumstances at the time. And sometimes he speaks through nature and also he speaks through the gifts he's given us. I know this month you're studying and talking about the the gifts, the spiritual gifts God's given you. Are, Are they all the same? No, they're different. But be assured that God has gifts for you to use for his cause. And I don't believe that God would ever call me to be a singer for him. I mean, I could sing now, but some of you would get up and leave early. That's not one of the gifts God gave me. But God gave me a set of gifts, and he gave you a set of gifts. Are you using them for him? And if he's calling you to do something, are those gifts part of it? Why does God speak to us or call us? To reconnect with him, to remember him to recognize that deep, deep impulse, an urge, if you will, which I would suggest often is a call. Now, please understand, sometimes God calls people for the ministry for a lifetime of service, and that might be what I'm talking about, but not necessarily. Other times, it's a lot more short-term. Sometimes a calling might be in the area of work or in the arena of work, in relationships with others. How many of you, before you got married, really prayed for a mate? How many of you prayed for the mate you got? Oh, good, I see hands going up. God's callings come through our relationships with others in our lifestyle, uh, in spirituality or in service for him. These are different areas of our life where God will call you if you let him. Usually God calls us to do something, but not always. Sometimes uh, it calls us to learn or to stretch or, as I said, in a relationship, um, or to redo things that we have done wrong in the past. But not only does God call us to do something, sometimes God calls us to be something. Now, it might be a preacher or a missionary, Or it might be an accountant or a teacher, or it might be a sanitation engineer, or a a city worker, or it might be a banker, or it might be a farmer, or it might be whatever God has called for you to do. Did God call you to the profession that you have? Do you feel that God was in it, or was it just what you took in school next and finally you decided to do it? In many cases, that's what it is. But God has something special for you to be. And also, that includes to be selfless, loving, forgiving, bold, and to trust others. Sometimes God calls us to things, but other times he calls us away from things and says, no, no, not yet. And sometimes God calls us to dream, like Joseph, or to attempt to do something that's very hard to do, like become the second-in-command of an entire nation. But all of us are called... To be that verb to be God started that at Mount Sinai who will people say is calling me and who did God tell him was calling me calling I am you tell them I am I am is calling you because God is everything he is all I am what well it doesn't matter anything you say after that it's about God I am. I'm the ruler of the world. I am the one who is in your life. I am the one who works with you. I am. And for us, it's to be. To be with God, to be part of God, to be God's representative, God is calling us. Question for you, are you really called in what you're doing now? What if tomorrow, what if tonight at 3 a.m. you woke up and God said, I want you to do something different? how would you know it was from God? And of course, if you wanted to stay where you are, if that really happened, that's the first question you might ask, well, did God really tell me to do this? Or maybe it came from, you know, someone else. How do you know? But one question to ask yourself is did God call you to do what you're doing right now? Now, if God did not call you to do what you're doing right now, he might be calling you to do something different. That it might be a good sign. But what if God did call you to do whatever it is you're doing right now? And I could mean a job, but again, I could mean many other things. If God did call you, the question is, is what's changed now? If he called you five years ago, if he called you eight years ago, does he still want you there, or has something changed? Is something different? And that's a question you have to struggle with, with him. No one else can really answer it. Did something change? Were you called? And if so, has it changed? And the the follow-up question to that is, if he did call you, has he finished with your work there where you are in what you're doing? Did he finish what he called you to do before, before he gives you something new? And then another question, is there just one way that God calls us? Sometimes. Sometimes, like Jonah, no other choice. Go to Nineveh. God is calling Jonah, go to Nineveh. That was his only option. There wasn't a plan B. There wasn't something else. I would suggest to you that sometimes, though, God, when you have a choice to make, when you have two or three options, God might be able to bless you in any of those places as long as you do it with him. Do you agree? And sometimes God just simply says, Kevin, what would you be happiest doing? I will bless you as long as we are together in this. And that often is the case. Not always. Sometimes there are uh, uh, other options, though. Um, Jesus told them to go to Judea and Samaria, to othermost parts of the world. Friends, do you sense God's calling in your life? Here's what a call isn't. A call is not an order. God doesn't usually order us. I guess He did with Je- with Jonah, in a sense. But really, a call is a choice. It usually is because it comes through us to a smil- still small voice. Very quiet. That's one reason I said in the middle of the night or early in the morning at first dawn, you and your Bible, no one else to disturb you. We're out in nature with your Bible. God often talks in a still, small voice. I'll tell you when God doesn't really talk very much, and that is when you have loud headphones going or the TV blaring or something else, it's easy to drown out God's voice. Very unlikely to hear him. Usually when God calls, it it accompanies something by a passion that God knows is within you to do something, to be something, to go somewhere, to be involved with something. Usually it's by a passion. Often it's evidenced by the gifts he gave you because he doesn't call you to do something that you're not equipped. He always equips those he chooses. But this is something very important. If you're following God's will, it almost every time involves sacrifice. It almost every time involves suffering. Now, you say, wait a second, why would I ever want to do that? Well, want may not be the first word that comes to mind, but the disciples, all of the disciples who were called to go to their places, all of them were involved in multiple points of sacrifice. God calls us to live a life of sacrifice. Sometimes it's a harder choice to make to follow God through the tough times, but God is with you in the more difficult times, and that is when God will really bless you. 1 Chronicles 4.10 is the story of Jabez. Have you ever prayed this prayer? Lord, extend my reach. Let's see what it says. Jabez called on the God of Israel, said, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I might not cause pain. Oh, don't pray that prayer unless you're ready. Because look what it said. God granted him what he requested for his territory to be expanded. I would pray that you would pray that prayer that you would pray that here in Bucks County that God would extend your territory, that he would extend your reach. Maybe you have a store or a business or maybe it's, it's through the work that you do for an agency or maybe you're in school. I would urge you to pray that prayer that God would extend your reach to people who he knows want to be saved, want to hear about him through you. Pray this prayer to extend your reach. In hearing God's voice, we have the Bible, prayer, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and our own hearts to help us hear God's voice. We may not have the big fire, we may not have the rod that parts the ocean, but we have the Bible, prayer, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and our own hearts that can help us to hear God's voice. Do you want to hear His voice? That's really the ultimate question. Do you really want to hear his voice? Because if you want, he will speak into your life. He will give you the way to go. In order to do that, he has to hear from you first. He wants to hear that that's what you want, not in a big public gathering, but in the still, small, quiet of your home, of a private place where you can talk to him one-on-one about his will for your life. In the book of Revelation, we read, here I, am, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice I will, and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and him with me. God will never force you to obey him. He waits for your willing response to his call. So today I ask, are you hearing his voice? Are you listening to his voice? Do you want to hear his voice right now? Don't let your final answer be the wrong one. Say to the Lord, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Amen.